Hey, everyone. Welcome to season two of the Becoming Unassailable podcast. This podcast is all about helping leaders build highly functional, collaborative, and aligned leadership teams. Because when your leadership team is functional, collaborative, and aligned, the rest of your organization is able to thrive. My name is Mark Kenny. I am a strategic team consultant, keynote speaker, and author. In each episode of season two, I'm highlighting an interview with a senior leader to gather what has worked and what hasn't from their own experience leading teams. In this episode, I invited Rick Borofsky, who is the CEO of the Diocese of Nashville. That is one of those words that I have a hard time pronouncing. Now, don't let that term fool you. Rick in reality, runs two major healthcare organizations. And you could read more about that in the show notes. Rick will be sharing some really practical actions to take as a leader to build a collaborative aligned team and organization and to engage your workforce. You won't want to miss it. A couple of announcements before we get to the interview. First, I have a gift for everyone listening to this podcast. If you will go to Mark. S as in stephenkenny.com slash gift, G-I-F-T. I have a few chapters in my book that you can download for free. Second, please subscribe to this podcast, share it with someone else, and let's get the word out there to build healthy teams. Thank you so much for listening, and let's get on to the conversation. Rick, thank you for joining me today. Pleasure to have you on the podcast. It's good to be here. Thank you, Mark. So you are with the Roman, um, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, I'm sorry, but the, the Diocese of Nashville, right? That's correct. So tell me a little bit about who you lead, what that looks like, so we get a little bit of context of how you're leading uh, leading team or teams or whatever that looks like for you. Okay, so um, the Diocese of Nashville has a healthcare ministry, and I operate the healthcare ministry, which is a 15-acre campus, which includes a 217-unit um, Section 8 affordable housing, as well as a 98-bed assisted living on our campus. So I lead two of those, there are two separate corporations with their own board of directors, and I lead both of those organizations uh, strategically, operationally. Um, as well as providing a vision for the campus to build another affordable housing uh, complex on the property. So what I'm hearing is you you probably lead teams in those two organizations, as well That's, as have to deal with boards in those two organizations. That is correct. Right. In in the uh, in the affordable housing uh, uh, facility, there is a team of twelve people, which include an executive director, an operations manager. Uh, maintenance, uh, social service, activities, and in the assisted living, it's uh, basically um, uh, a, a similar structure to any assisted living in the United States with an executive director or director of nursing, social mm -hmm. services, food services, et cetera. Okay. So, yes. And and the most interesting thing, Mark, if I can add, is that, you know, the two teams are so divergently different in terms of roles, responsibilities, and the people they care for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's interesting. Yeah, this is great perspective because number one, it's it's all nonprofit, right? That is correct. And you're dealing with diverse teams, setting visions. Like you're you're busy, you're a busy guy. And that's and that not, we're not even talking about the actual ins and outs of running the institution, but just dealing with the teams and leading the teams. You're I imagine you're pretty busy. Yes. 
So what has been the biggest factor in in your success in building a team? And I don't mean that question like you're perfect or like like you've done nothing, like you haven't had any challenges. But if you think about like what you've learned for building teams, what has been a the biggest factor in your own success? Um, it is one, hiring what you think is the right person. And when you miss on that, how do you recover and support that person through success as well as failure? And when you're a young leader, that is a very, very, for me, is a very, very challenging concept to understand. But as you gravitate through this leadership process, through age and, ex- and a variety of experiences, you get to, to the point where supporting your people through thick and thin creates a synergistic effect for your teammate to say, I'm going to support my leader because they support me. And I think that's a very, very key ingredient to successful leadership and successful teams. So I'm hearing you say is even when they miss the mark, or even when you feel like you've maybe missed the mark, or like you're still supporting them, you're still working with them, you're still trying to working with them to help them be successful. Yes. And, you know, and I always think, you know, what is that return on investment in, in people assets, people skill, um, you know, in terms of what that human being can grow, can deliver and accomplish. And I'm not one to give up on people because, you know, if you think back early in your career, you've stumbled, you've, you've fallen. And when you think about who do you really respect as a leader when you are growing into a career, it's somebody that helped pick you up and help mm-hmm. stand you up and give you the experience and the, and the, you know, the, um, the words of wisdom that they live by. And I just believe in, in sharing those good, ex- those experiences to help people be better human beings as well as better leaders. That makes a lot of sense because we're talking about teams, but team is really just a group of individuals and the, the, those relationships with each individual is important. If I'm putting myself in the shoes of someone that's listening to this, the next natural question may be, I get it. That makes a lot of sense. Maybe I'm switching my thinking. But at what point do you need to, I hate to use the word give up on someone, but you're like, okay, this really isn't working out and we need to move on. Do you have any wisdom as to to how you know you've reached that point? So something that that I started years ago that I learned is that I do um, quarterly check-ins. Instead of a yearly evaluation, I've gravitated to a quarterly check-in. That quarterly check-in is a SWOT strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. So that person knows that we set goals, what they're accountable for. So we set goals on a quarterly basis to talk about. And that person can see the writing on the wall to say, I missed my goals two, two quarters in a row. You know, the I, I, I'm not doing enough self-assessment to know what my threats and my weaknesses are. So it's a conversation to get to that point. And, and it becomes apparent when metrics are being missed, their leadership skills are, are lacking in terms of getting their people to grow, to improve and meet metrics. And it's at that point in time that, you know, what I say is that, you know, we're at a crossroad, you know, these quarterly vows are not going in the right direction. And how can I support you going forward, potentially not being in this organization? 
And I always believe how people enter into, into an organization is just as important as a person leaving an organization. And you want a person to leave with, with grace, with on all the pride that they can have to leave. That makes a lot of sense. And so what I'm hearing you say about that is it's not like there's a black and white formula. Oh, we've reached this point. It's kind of natural because we've been having the conversation and because we have, because I have the relationship with this person or with this, this team member. And that, yes. And that's what I strive for because, you know, it's easy to have the easy conversations, but having these quarterly meetings makes the hard conversations easy on both sides of the table. Good. So, so going back to the team and, and thinking of how you're developing this, this team, what is a key practice or tactic that, that you keep coming back to? Uh, visibility, approachability, and, and setting the right standard for all of the leaders uh, that report to a, a, another leader. Um, you know, being in the kitchen, uh, managed by walking around, talking to the residents, um, you know, and, you know, our mission, walking, walking the walk, talking to talk, being visible, being approachable and, and, and checking in, even, even if that person doesn't report to me, I try to find out what's important to them, who are their family, what, what, I can do, if anything, if they're having any obstacles that I can help them with any obstacles in their, in their, in their professional life. Love it. So speaking of obstacles, what are some obstacles and challenges that you're still working on in terms of leading the team, Um, developing a team and, and so on? Well, it's, it's retention. You know, we've had a very challenging three years with, uh, you know, paying people more to stay home than to come to work and, and make a valuable contribution to society. And it's, it's regaining that, that trust in us to do the right thing, which we always will, as well as being an employer of choice and creating or, or developing that, that culture that people want to stay with us. And we have a lot of long-term people, but that, that certain 40% turnover. And that's my challenge is to get that 40% to 20% and that Mm -hmm. 20% to 10%. Mm -hmm. Do you see that in like your immediate team that you're leading as well? Or is that more at other layers in the organization, all the above? It's, it's the caregivers. Uh, Mm -hmm. The caregivers have a, you know, Nashville is an explosion of growth and people have a lot of opportunities besides healthcare to work. And, mm-hmm. you know, the executive director and myself, we talk a, a lot about this, about culture, about succession planning. How do we create a career ladder for people that they want to stay here and continue to grow if they want to grow in, uh, professionally and provide those opportunities to them? Mm-hmm. You said a little thing in there about how you talk to the, your executive director about this often. So I'm inferring from that, like, like you can't set the example yourself individually for everyone. I mean, you can, but I'm almost hearing you say that you're setting the example, talking to those underneath you and expecting them to set the example, carry on the culture, et cetera, for those underneath them and and on through the organization. Would I be right yeah. in that? You'd be right. That is correct. Yes. Yeah. It's almost like cascading culture. 
that is it. You're exactly right. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned the last three years, and, and I'm curious, the challenges of the last three years, and if I could just think about you managing your immediate team for a second, or or those that are closest to you in the organization, um, how has the last three years affected your ability to, to build that team or build that? Um, I guess it's really more than one team that you're working with. You know, the thing is, uh, it was support. It was having the confidence to do the right thing through COVID. We had no time off. You know, we are a 24 seven operation and mm-hmm. we had to make the right decision to protect others in the building as well as visitors when visitors were allowed to prevent the spread of COVID-19. And mm-hmm. that was challenging for a variety of reasons. You, you could probably imagine isolation, you know, uh, you know, uh, caregivers having families, all of that concern around COVID-19 coming into a healthcare facility where we had cycles of COVID and then going back home to their families. And it was a, uh, it was a challenge. Not only do we have challenges, you know, on a day-to-day basis with dynamics and everything else and taking care of residents, but that was a particularly difficult challenging situation uh through covid being a 24 7 operation Mm -hmm. did it did it affect your ability to like did you feel like you had less time with your immediate team to build into them or or what did you have more remote work like no so the priority shifted mark you know instead of being Mm -hmm. able to go Mm -hmm. and sit and have lunch with people and interact you know, people were in isolation, you know, people were in gowns and gloves. And it was it, it, it was a just a very different dynamic that we have post-COVID that you can sit across the table from someone. You can have lunch with people and mm-hmm. not be concerned about COVID-19 and all the infection control requirements. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that kind of created a plastic barrier. Um you know, you could see the person, but, you know, at the same time, they were, everybody was dealing with a myriad of, of issues coming to work, working with their colleagues and the ever, the dark, dark cloud of COVID-19 over everyone. And how does that look now? Did you have to do some extra, I don't know, building or intentional kind of getting us back to where we were beforehand when, when some of that was over with? Um, or t- tell me about how, how you were able to come out of that, or maybe you're, maybe you're still in the process of now, kind of coming out of that or, or how does that look? What, what, when we, when we're, 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 I consider ourselves post COVID, we're going to have COVID the rest of our life, but I don't think it's going to be to the effect nor the d- degree of the disease that we had in the very beginning when people were losing their, their lives and mm-hmm. their loved ones. Um, what we did is that we planned some really significant celebrations over over the holiday time this past year, and they were significant. And to me, that was a post-COVID party, as well as saying, we're back. We appreciate you. We appreciate everything you've done, coming to work every day, despite this, this terrible disease, and to show up and, and make a difference in the lives of everybody around them. And you know, we, we just, we just celebrated. We celebrated with the team. We had great turnout. Uh, we did the celebrations in the facilities and uh, the residents were there, the, the employees were there. And it was just a, 
a wonderful occasion to say we're back. Yeah. We're back to, you know, the new normal. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense, Rick. That makes a lot of sense. And obviously, this isn't a podcast about COVID, but that really affected how people led and and, and the yes. teams you work uh, with, no matter how that, and especially in a healthcare setting. Yep, I um, think so. So I'm thinking about like affordable housing. You said there was like a team of twenty or not twenty, but twelve people there. Um, so so leading those twelve people, what? What is the best advice you've received from someone on like just making that a cohesive team, um, working with that team, making that a, a, a functional, really collaborative team? Um, well, we, we have our corporate offices in that building. So I get to see all those people every day and I'm able to work closely with that executive director and provide observation, guidance, suggestions. Um, she's relatively new. She's has, she has a few employees that have been here 30 years plus. So you can imagine that transition of a new person where people have been doing the same thing for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and to provide that, um, and again, I'm, I'm, I am visible in the hallways, I'm visible on the floors, I'm visible with her team. And and I don't want to get too much into her knitting, but at the mm -hmm. same time, if I could help you with anything, I'm more than more than willing to, to help you with anything that uh, from a day-to-day -day operational responsibility, because I'm here every day with you. And that's probably uncomfortable for her too, right? You know, because, you know, we're here and we get to see what happens every day. So sensitive right. to that, sensitive to that piece as well. Right. But if you look at it the right way, that's also a resource for, for her yeah, as well, right? Yes, exactly. And I, I and I didn't prepare you for this question, but is there a particular book or resource or 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 anything like that that you're like, hey, this is kind of my go-to, or maybe a book that you would give her to say, hey, this is really going to help you. And if you uh, don't, that's fine because I didn't prepare you for that. But that's all right. You know, I one book that sticks with me is the um, the manifesto. You know, when you know checking all the boxes in terms of process. And I often refer to that in my mind in terms of how brilliant that was for that guy to think about everything as a process. And, and it's so interesting to take process and organizational skills as well as people skills and how that all comes together for, for me. And, you know, um, in terms of the book, She's well-read. She's smart. She's been doing this for 20 years. So I, you know, I haven't offered anything to her because I don't think she, I don't think she's needed to have anything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's good. And this shows you how much, like I do prepare for these, Rick. I do. And I forgot <laughs> that my question there was what's a book or resource. So I did send that to you ahead of time. Oh, what did you? Oh, I didn't know. Oh, I didn't put anything on there. Sorry. Oh, okay. Okay. Never mind. I should have told anybody. <laughs> you did around. send that to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so two more questions for you. One is, and you may have already covered this, you kind of already have, but you know, there's a lot of leaders that are leading teams. Um, some of them are, are knee deep into you know, their leadership team and investing in them. Some are investing in leaders that are leading teams, you know, different perspectives. Some are seeing everybody, seeing each other in the hall every day. Some are more remote. What is the secret sauce that many leaders may miss from your, in your opinion? 
I think consistent, what, what I call check-ins, even if it's not a business-related topic around the metric, to check in and say, how are you doing? How's your family doing? Is there anything I can do to help? Is there anything I can do to support? And I think we, we cannot lose that, that, that connection with our team. And it's easy to do that working remotely or working in another part of the campus uh, and not doing check-ins. And, and, and I am disciplined. I disciplined myself enough that it's easy to pick up the phone but, you know, I walk down across the campus and go visit the other building to be in person because there's nothing like eyeball to eyeball. And, you know, I think it's the check-ins, you know, and I many times I just show up and say, how are things going? Is there anything I can do for you? You know, and I think that, you know, every time you see your boss come think, oh, my gosh, now what? Right. And especially if they show up unannounced and I try to break that barrier or that that perception down. I'm showing up to help. I'm not always showing up with a problem or something that we need to talk about. Uh, to fix. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. So I'm hearing you and this is kind of a thread through this. I, I this is really good. It is and it's not even like you you mentioned earlier the quarterly check-ins which maybe are a little more formal where we're going through the goals, but it's almost checking in intentionally in a disciplined manner, maybe even without an agenda, just checking in, seeing how things are are doing in person if possible. Um, and maintaining that relationship, and they know that you're there supporting them, going back to one of the first things that you said. Yes. Yeah. So so for, for Rick, what is, as you're leading all these teams and this organization that's doing amazing work, really important work, what does the next level of success look like for you? And, and um, maybe I could say that as, like, if you look a year or two down the road or three years, like, what what would be different about your team or your leadership? Like where, where are you, what's that next next level look like for you? Um, Building a $70 million affordable housing apartments on this, on this, on this campus. And, and that's going to create leadership to say, you know, we, we, the one building is 100% private pay, so that's kind of like opposite end of the spectrum. One building supported by federal funds, low income, people that are marginalized by society, which fits in our mission beautifully. And then we have this 98-bed assisted living that's 100% private pay. And then building another affordable housing um, facility in the middle of campus to be able to connect the dots on all three properties. And some people are going to have positive feelings about that. And some people are going to have negative feelings about that. Um, and this campus has been the same for the last 30 years. And that is going to be a huge difference to this campus in terms of activity, uh, people, services we provide, et cetera. And, and my goal is to wrap in um, the assisted living team, as well as the affordable housing team into that project. And to give some people um, job responsibilities as we build that, as we grow, as we open the doors, because we have operational expertise, we have HR expertise. So how do I take all those strengths and help me open up a very successful affordable housing uh, unit? So that's the next step for me. Yeah, I love that. So what I'm hearing you say is we've got this big goal, this physical goal, actually, and your teams are going to need to change their perspective, think bigger, 
but also start working together yep. in order to accomplish that. Uh, yes. And remember, and remember there's people here and we're going to add more people. So how many people are too many people to be here? Mm -hmm. You know, so what's the right number of people to be on this campus? So that's a lot of discernment and, and, and thought and what's what's going to work, because you probably know the Catholic Church has been around thousand years. And, you know, it's all about legacy and what we do today needs to kind of last at least through my lifetime, if not somebody else who comes after me through their lifetime. So very important decision points in, in the next couple of months. Love it. You know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like um, after you've accomplished some of that or on the road, having you back and saying, okay, how did, what did you learn through that, <laughs> through that process? That's yeah. what it sounds like. That's great. Rick, thank you so much for joining me today. Really a vibrant conversation. I love the part about um, um, the check-ins and having those relationships with folks. I think sometimes we just forget that or what we mean, don't necessarily mean to, but maybe we don't think about it. I think that's great advice. Yep. I appreciate you sharing that with us today. Thank you so much for, for having a conversation with me. Well, thank you. It was a pleasure. All the best. All right. All Take right. Care. Take, you too. Thank you. Hey everyone. Thank you for listening. Mark here. You know, there's some of you that are listening who may want to go deeper and have a conversation about strategies for your own team and organization. Well, go to markskenny.com slash call and schedule a 30-minute complimentary strategy session with me. We'll talk about some strategies for your team and organization, whether or not we each decide there's a next step or not. And please remember to subscribe, and share this podcast with someone else so we can get the word out about building healthy, functional, collaborative, and aligned teams. Thank you, and I'll talk to you next time.